Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marcheseau fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marcheseau. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Wallace out at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Millard is somewhere fumbling around with papers. Come on. And Jared Justice is live inside of our Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. It's going to be a good one. Home of the I like it because it, it's 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 effective. It's fantastic. There's effort into it, but it doesn't go on and on and on. I like the shorter woos. Uh, I'm at T-Mobile Arena at the Fortress, where we are doing the uh, the television portion of tonight's game in Arizona, uh, which is always kind of just weird when we're at an empty arena broadcasting a game in another place. But uh, but I digress. Uh, looking forward to this one. Ten in a row for the Vegas Golden Knights. Seven off the National Hockey League record for most wins in a row and they face the arizona coyotes team that is massively desperate like there is there's desperation and then it crank it up like three or four spots that's where the arizona coyotes are going into this two-game set which will finish off the eight-game series between the two clubs yeah i i think the arizona coyotes are looking at these two games as absolute must wins like if they have any real illusions or real aspirations of, of being in the playoffs you have to take four out of four points against the Golden Knights over this weekend set. And they have, right now, let me add it up. Going through it, going through it, going through it. They have uh, one win. Uh, one win against the Golden Knights. I just had to double-check that. One win against the Vegas Golden Knights uh, in the first six games. Yeah. Although, remember the last time these two teams played? I do. It was feisty. Yes, A little it was. greasy. Yep. Yep. I, I don't. I don't anticipate that carrying over or continuing because, like Arizona, like it's put up or shut up right now, and there's a good chance they've got uh, half the half of uh, the duct tape over one side of their mouth too. It's they're in a difficult spot right now uh, to try and catch up to the St. Louis Blues who have uh, found their game. A little swagger for the St. Louis Blues, and going into tonight, it's a it's a five point gap. For Arizona, trying to catch up to those Blues, so it's a, it's a tough ask, but also a good challenge for for the Golden Knights to try and continue this little run. Also, uh, Vegas has a franchise record winning streak on the road at stake this evening too. That's up to five, so a whole bunch on the line going into this one. Yeah, I, I, I look at this game as one of those games where uh, you know both teams are, are coming into it hungry for the two points i think the golden knights obviously know exactly what they need to do down the stretch to finish first in the honda west division and for the arizona coyotes it all starts with one game you got to find a way to get one win and then you you hopefully kind of build on that to to get you through the final stretch of this season but uh, i mean i look at arizona i don't see it like i don't see the avenue i don't see the path to to the arizona coyotes finding themselves in that final playoff spot but you know, it comes down to these two games and, and really having to show out and having to find four points against a team that has had their number all season long. 
the path uh, has been uh, snow covered. Uh, like you can't see their footprints uh, because of because of a heavy drop of snow in the desert for the Arizona Coyotes. Because when they look behind them, what mm -hmm. I'm trying to get at is yep. they have two wins in their last eleven. Like That's when, not good. when they met here at T-Mobile during the feisty series, yep. Arizona was a fourth-place team, and they had destiny in their hands. They had a cushion on the St. Louis Blues, and it was the Blues who were in a bad state. Flip that around, and now Arizona has lost nine of their last 11, and uh, kind of like right there for the picking of, of the Golden Knights, who can add to – so if you, if you look at these two wins, that's – that's up to 12. It's a, it's a great opportunity for the Golden Knights to make even more history at a time that they're getting a, a little healthier uh, through this last little stretch. Got Riley Smith back the other night. Uh, Keegan Colasar played on Wednesday against the uh, Colorado Avalanche. And now Nick Waugh is on the road. So things starting to come around from a health perspective uh, for the Golden Knights as they play the final eight games of the season. And I, I'll stick to my little prediction. If the Golden Knights can go five and three, if they can acquire a total of ten points in whatever alignment you want to put it in, mm -hmm. uh, ten points, in my estimation, gives them a really wonderful look at first place in the West. Anything less than ten points, you're taking your chances and, and you're rolling the dice with the, what Colorado's schedule has. Yeah, it, I, I think 10 points is probably where you want to be. You look at the Golden Knights all season long where their their winning percentage has been. It's it's .75. So, you know, this is a team that, that more or less would, would expect to go 6-2 and two over the final yep. eight games. So, you know, 5-3, and 6-2, and two, it's not really much in terms of, of a difference there. And uh, for the Golden Knights, as, as much as the points matter, as much as, as getting the wins matters, it also matters that they're playing against competition that's going to be hungry you've got two against arizona they're hungry you've got two against minnesota and those games are important for vegas because they want to even up that season series against the minnesota wild they want to prove that they are are a team that is capable on any given night of beating minnesota and beating them soundly and then you follow that up with st louis who's right now it's it's still a fight with arizona by the time these two teams play in st louis and vegas Maybe it's a little bit more of a foregone conclusion, but that could be previewing the first round matchup, playoff matchup for the Golden Knights. So you're going to want to show out well in those games. There's a lot at stake over the next six games for the Golden Knights. Little mini statements, right? Exactly. Like the, the, you want to set the tone against the Minnesota Wild in case you happen to meet them in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's, uh, that's really important to be able to also produce points in St. Paul. Uh, that is just a, a confidence builder for the group. That's what you strive for. The St. Louis Blues side of things, there's the, the real potential that that is going to be your first-round matchup. And we're at the stage now with two weeks, less than two weeks to go in the season, where you can start eyeing up potential matchups. And the Golden Knights have the cushion on first place, and the St. Louis Blues have a gap over Arizona for the final playoff spot. Those two clubs of are destined at this stage, barring a, uh, a change in in fortune, uh, to meet in the first round. So that would be big for the, the St. Louis Blues and the Vegas Golden Knights with the final couple of games at T-Mobile Arena. And then and then you've got the, the, the big finishing one. I, I actually like that they're playing San Jose in the last game because it just gives it some natural bite. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know 
it'll depend on where they are uh, in the standings and what's what's necessarily within reach or has been already grabbed, uh, who plays in that game. But it just gives it a, a little bit of natural bite. But there's there's a lot uh, going down the line of, of meaningful games, even though some of these games aren't necessarily for position, like the two-game series uh, this weekend. You're not battling the Arizona Coyotes head-to-head for anything. No, but as we've, you know, as we're mentioning here, it's it's certainly important hockey for the Golden Knights. They're important points on the line for Vegas. And then once you get past Arizona, it, it turns into the potential in a, in a seven day span to to plant some seeds of doubt into your potential first round matchups in the playoffs. It's, it's Minnesota or St. Louis like that's likely going to be one of those two teams is likely going to be who the Vegas Golden Knights face in the playoffs. And what better way to tune yourself up for that than those two games in, in the to end out the regular season? Can I go a step further on, on that? You can. When, you, when you're talking about facing the likes of the Minnesota Wild this week in, in a two-game set in St. Paul and a team that's vying for a playoff position and you want to add some confidence to winning in St. Paul, then you, you play the St. Louis Blues, potential first-round opponent, and follow that up with a one-gamer uh, versus the Colorado Avalanche. So what is likely going to be the other three postseason teams in the West Division, you will face them consecutively yep. down the stretch. So if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what will. Interesting, by the way, in just looking at the standings, as I think out loud, which is dangerous, Yes. Uh, we all know that, yep. which is very dangerous. But in this year where new divisions were created because of the Canadian border and access to Canada, you had the North Division, and they, they're the only division that goes like across the, the, the continent and plays uh, from the Eastern time zone to the Pacific. So there was, there was challenges in that, and we know what, uh, what the Central is. It ended up being like a potpourri leftover division, but has really been uh, dynamic and made a statement for its own merits uh, to be taken seriously. The East has uh, so many great franchises and some incredible players like Ovechkin and Crosby who are near uh, or at the top of their game trying to challenge for a division title. This West division was a combination or is a combination of the old Central and the old Pacific. And Vegas looks like it's going to be the only team from the Pacific that qualifies for the playoffs. The other three will be coming over from the uh, from the Central Division, and uh, uh, part of that is is where the California teams are. But uh, it's uh, I just found it found it interesting looking down at it. This this might be like the only time that that Vegas plays a, a Colorado or a Minnesota or St. Louis uh, in the postseason for a while, because normally, barring a crossover. You wouldn't face one of these teams uh, until a uh, until a third round. Yeah, that's an interesting point for sure. And you know, we've we've come to know the Golden Knights as one of those teams that's been atop their division the first three seasons before this season, and that being the Pacific Division. And it doesn't surprise me too much that the Golden Knights are are kind of that that sole representative in, in terms of of this division from the Pacific. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because you know this is a, a you. It's a unique year. Like for the Golden Knights, it's going to be tough to get out of this Honda West division because you've got three really good teams that came over from the Central, and, and you know you've got to go through them. And and 
I think that there's a lot of merit to that. There's a lot of good to be gained from the Golden Knights having a, a bit of a tougher road than they did last year in the bubble because I think that's going to make them battle-tested. I think it's going to make them ready should they emerge from this division in the Final Four. I, I think they're going to have a lot that they can draw from in terms of experience to get themselves through and and hopefully to to the final you know, the, the the final outcome that they're looking for. Yeah, the the three central teams in a postseason berth in the west division. But the teams that that were that stayed in the central in in that combination of with Carolina and Florida and Tampa Bay, uh, all those clubs right now the only club from the central that's in actually in a playoff spot in their own division is Nashville. So it's almost, <laughs> it's, it's strange how it's, how it's, how it's worked out this year. Uh, Vegas would collide with St. Louis if the playoffs started today. Yep. And even if the playoffs uh, started in less than two weeks, uh, it there's, it's shaping up to be that. And if, if Vegas can, can hold on to this spot, when do you think the first question is going to be asked to Alex Petrangelo? about facing his former team. And when he signed with the Golden Knights, like this this wouldn't even have been on the radar. Right. A first-round meeting against the St. Louis Blues because you're in two totally different divisions at that point. I don't think they'd restructured everything. And and now you, you've got the potential of Petrangelo, who won a Stanley Cup with that team and, and played his entire career outside of the, of the games this year with that franchise facing his former team in the first round how soon after do i uh, how soon do i think that those questions come up as soon as the golden knights clinch the first overall uh, really? finish in this division oh yeah yeah absolutely because, you don't think somebody floats it out there like hey alex have uh, you uh have you checked out uh, what's going on in, in the standings right now you'd be i think somebody, somebody slides I, Dar- that darren in. couldn't yes. you just ask him if you want someone to ask him what well, are we gonna put money you, on the line i mean no are we going to put something on the line? Because if something's like, on the line, that's then... not a legitimate bet. Yeah, that's not because a bet. You, because you, you can, can just say no or yes. That's yeah. What? So, <laughs> back in uh, in my earlier days of broadcasting, when I was at uh, at Sportsnet, we yeah. we'd be doing like five hours of highlight shows a night. You do one for the East, one for the West, Central. Some of the same shows, but but uh, uh, for, by and large part, you'd be running a lot of the same highlights over and over. So our big boss, our president of our company, to try and make it interesting, would send at the start of every show, would send a word of the night that you would have to get in. Uh, and it might be something as simple as mustard. And you had to try and fit in mustard, and he would give uh, the, the commentators in the control room, uh, would have some fun with it, but you get a little reward with it. Well, I just started saying, good evening, mustard. I'm Darren Millard, along with Kevin Quinn. Did <laughs> so you that's, really? Th- so that's what I would do. <laughs> if, if, if we put something on the line, if, yeah. if, if, you, if that, when that question is going to be asked to Alex Petrangelo yeah. and there's something on the line, yeah. I'll just log on to the Zoom and raise my hand and say, hey, it looks like you're going to play your former team. <laughs> But if not, I'll, I'll wait and let it happen organically. There's never been a more awkward broadcaster in the history of broadcasting than you. Really? Yeah. I mean, good. I, good morning, mustard. Mustard. Like, you you could absolutely figure out a way to work that in organically. Nope. No, you no. I, no, no, no. You I, yes, can. There, yeah, absolutely. Does he have the mustard? Like, can it cut the mustard? Yeah. There's, yes, a, there's a exactly. bunch of different ways. Like that's that's but, a simple word. No, to do. there's also, but there also is. A bit of a charm too. 
Yeah, he's the one with Tourette's. I wouldn't go that far. I would just say uh, it uh, it was all about winning. And I knew that my opponent. Just a competitor, my, man. My, my co-anchor, Kevin Quinn at the time, was yeah. uh, was a real beast of a competitor. And I didn't want to give up the ball. And uh, if I got to say, do the hellos, then, uh, then I would make sure I got it. Well, it could be anything. It could be sheet metal. I'm just looking around where what, I am right hold, now. It hold could on. Be, what was it could be. Do you remember, like, an actual word? Like, can you mm. give us an actual example of how awkward this yeah. was? Or uh, Give us something so that people on Twitter can go find it on, like, YouTube and send it to me so that I can pull should, that well, sound. one specific person on Twitter. I, yes, yeah, I, I can't remember. Yeah, uh, like, bathroom would be one. Um, we, did have a great, we did have a great code. If there was any executives in the control room, then if you heard the term overscan, that meant to watch what you were saying because there was big bosses in the control room and they were listening. So you made sure that you, you uh, minded your P's and your Q's about that. That was one of the greatest inventions ever. Overscan. And it's still, every time I hear that word or think of that word, I go, oh, can't, can't be uh, doing anything goofy. But uh, no, I, I would say uh, bathroom would have been one. Uh, uh, bedroom. Uh, there was lot, like lots of rooms. Uh, mortgage. Uh, I believe was one. So, so you would you would go, welcome into the program, mortgage. I'm mortgage. Darren Millard. Yeah. Well, sometimes. And then my, oh. my the, the guy that I was anchoring with was he's an awesome dude. Brutal. He called the Oilers games forever. Uh, yeah. And and he was an awesome guy. And he it would he would bust up laughing. And then we'd have the giggle fest for the night. It was great morale. I think we should do that. Justice, text us a word that we have to fit into conversation. It, okay, I would except. Knowing me, I would also want to do some over-the-top Pee Wee Herman-esque. Oh, he oh, said it! My, my, my wife did that. Uh, we did a family uh, thing. I did a Christmas Eve show, and my brother and all his uh, kids were over, and we all had a word of the day, and, uh, and I had to fit it in that night, and she was X-rated. And I'm like, why would you want me to say that and get fired if, like, just so you win? Uh, and she's also a competitor. That tells you something about about how we ended up together. <laughs> I won't wow. tell you what I won't tell you the word. Yeah, please on the don't. Air. Uh, uh, I won't t- tell you the word on the air. I like my job. Oh, it's going to be a fun break. Oh, come on, <laughs> Justice. <laughs> the amount of times that we've almost been fired together, <laughs> right? That leads me to think that you. Oh no, uh, there's definitely a level of um, built in. <laughs> I'm the only one who knows how like certain buttons work. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like when I'm on every... I've insulated uh, myself with uh, with stupidity. <laughs> is that what you're calling your morning show? Oh, jeez. No, I wondered. He's, that's what Shot he said. Fired. He just said that. I, I think that that's uh, rude and insensitive uh, to say something like that. But I didn't, I didn't mention it. Justice did. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, so the Golden Knights. <laughs> let's get back to to the to the Golden Knights. Uh, this is a team that, with their power play, with their uh, with their penalty kill going, is this as good? Ten game winning streak uh, aside, like they're 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 finding ways to win games. But is this as good as they've ever been? That's that's really hard. To, to say yes or no, because when you look at this this kind of stretch for the Golden Knights and you look at 
the fact that they're playing the same three, four teams over the course of, of this stretch, it becomes a little bit more skewed just in terms of, of how you can match that up against, say, past win win streaks or past periods of time where they were playing really, really good hockey against the entire league. Like, it's, it's hard to, to kind of, you know, look at this and say, does it hold the same weight as, say, when Vegas went in and, and beat Nashville and then beat Tampa? Like, is it is it the same? No, it isn't. But I will say this. When it comes to the Golden Knights right now, in terms of offensive production, in terms of putting the puck in the back of the net, they have been so, so good and so consistent. And I think that, for me, is kind of where I land on this. The Golden Knights have consistently produced offensively over the last three and a half, four weeks. And that is why I think there's been so many no-doubt games in this stretch because they're just scoring at will. And when you have a team that can score at will and you've got the goaltending that the Golden Knights have gotten all season long, they're going to win that race to three more often than not, and that's what we're seeing right now with them. So there's uh, there's times when teams go on, on streaks and losing streaks or, or winning streaks where – you're, you, you see indications where your team's starting to play out of a losing streak or in a winning streak, your team's getting sloppy, complacent. And the coach, uh, actually Shane Knighty had a good question to Pete DeBoer today uh, about that. We'll get into it in, in hour number two. But the you see signs where your team's uh, falling off a little bit and you're finding different ways to win, but you're maybe not on top of your game. This 10-game winning streak that the Golden Knights are in right now, only twice have they won by a single goal. Everything else, multiple goals. And the, and the last few games, one by three, one by four, one by three, one by one, one by three, one by four. Sounds like you're in the lumber yard instead of, uh, instead of the National Hockey League winning streak. Uh, but that's, they, they are just rolling through teams and ripping apart teams uh, with, the, with their juggernaut of offense. They, they have been. And, and, you know, you're getting contributions up and down the lineup, but it's really been Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty that have been at the forefront of lately. this for the Golden Knights. Yeah, lately for sure. And, and not, not to mention Shea Theodore, right? Like you're, you're looking at a player that is quietly collecting points on a nightly basis, seven assists in his last five games. Like there have been contributions up and down the lineup. Uh, and, and, you know, you can't really bat an eye at what Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty have done. But, but the, the streak started with the likes of Wah and Nosek uh, finding their rhythm and uh, acquiring uh, some, some offensive touch. Alex Tuck uh, had that great uh, stretch between L.A. and Anaheim. It was, it was that third, fourth look uh, on, the, on the depth chart that, that got things going and carried it through. And in the last six, seven games, Certainly, Pacioretty's on, on, on a big run right now, and Mark Stone uh, is knocking on the door of 20 goals. They've, they've picked up the, the mantle and, and just are carting it off with it. But uh, I think the foundation for what we're talking about in a 10-game winning streak was really built by, by the bottom half of, of the forward units. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, again, I, I think that they were they were kind of going through that stretch where they needed some type of spark. But yeah, I keep going back to Mark Stone and his comments about the guys that, that are paid to score goals need to step up and score goals. And then you look at this 10-game winning streak for the Golden Knights. Mark Stone, seven goals, eight assists, 15 points in 10 games. And, yeah. and it was the stretch in which he had multi-point efforts 
right? It was it was L.A., a goal and an assist. It was L.A. again, a goal and an assist. It was two assists against Anaheim, a goal and an assist against Anaheim, two goals against San Jose. Like, five games in a row where Mark Stone was was had a multi-point effort, and that's right in the middle of this win streak. I think that there's a lot of heavy lifting done by the top of the lineup for the Golden Knights. Let me look at the, the game-winning goals. Uh, and I, I'm not huge on game-winning goals because I think a lot of times they just end up being goals and in a game and it, just because of the score ends up being a game-winning goal. But just for the sake of, of discussion, uh, Chandler Stevenson, Nosek, Tuck, Pacioretty, Carlson, Waugh, then Tuck with two, Stevenson, and Mark Stone. But look at look at the start of it. Different player every night, right on down to uh, through the first six games of this of this winning streak, had a different player coming up with the game winning goal, which I think adds to to my point that this has been been built a little bit more on a on a overall team effort, despite the fact that I mean you've got in ten games you've uh, 13 goals from Pacioretty and, and Stone and 31 points from that tandem. 31 points from those two players over 10 games. That's wild. Yeah, not bad. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we continue, a little bit more on what we expect tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. Update you on what's happening uh, in the Honda West Division because there is an important game. Uh, plus, we have one-timers uh, to bring you news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Had an interesting conversation with a head coach uh, from the North uh, Division today. I'll uh, share a bit of that with you on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Start of a four-game road trip for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, beginning in Glendale, Arizona, for a pair against the Coyotes. Then it's off to Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, to be in fact. Uh, be correct and uh, specific on that one against the Minnesota Wild. Final multi-game road trip of the season, and they embark on this quest with a 10-game road trip. Uh, and certain, like I listened to the post-game show the other night uh, after the Colorado game, and people are pumped up about this. Uh, you see... You see the the sweater, uh, Ryan. You're you're uh, you're out and about right now. Uh, you see a lot of uh, VGK wear. People getting getting into the the playoff stretch drive here. Yeah, I you know I, I am out at uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. They're going to be airing all of the NFL draft, all seven rounds. That's correct, all seven rounds uh, today, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Five dollar drafts: a Bud Light, Budweiser, Shock Top, Kilt Lifter, Heineken, Dos Equis. A lot of fun to be had here, and yes, there have been plenty of Golden Knights jerseys as I have been here because it's the, the, the top team in the NHL, and it's a team on a 10-game win streak, and who doesn't want to be a part of all of that right now? How many beers uh, did you just rip off there? How many? Yeah. Like, was, did I say? Yeah. One, there was a lot two, there. three, four, five, six. You should do... Six beers. Ah, ah, ah. You there should. It is. You should pound back one per segment. So you're behind, so you drink well, two in this segment. And then see, uh, I bet you you will have the most fun you've ever had in the pregame show uh, at, uh, at 6 o'clock on Fox Sports Radio. That or he'll be asleep. Oh, is he a sleepy? Uh, who, do you, who do you think I am? Sleepy tipsy? I mean, no. he's, he's also a, like an adult with 
small children who has to drive 9,000 miles each day to get to his job. I assume three beers, nap time. Well, ordinarily you'd be right. But I've got these, this the keen ability to be able to turn it on. Like when Ooh, when I'm really? going, yeah, when oh, I'm going, right. I'm gonna tell you this. When I'm going for it, I go for really? it. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. It takes a lot. So if you if you slip back uh, four or five beers, would yeah. we notice? Uh, no. First thing not. that goes with me is speech. Like a beer, half a beer, I'd be slurring. No, you. There's wouldn't. no way I'd be able to pull it off. Come on. Oh yeah, Gary, guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. So the next time, the next time I'm filling in, would, and we're well, live on, in studio. Hold on. Hold on. Would you would you be more logical? Because like no. I, I think you've no. we like we've discovered something throughout the the breaks in this show that you are just allergic to logic. No, I, I don't. I don't think that it might okay. actually go the other way. Uh, but he, no, he's no. too logical. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's that's why. Like when I was like 14, I stopped doing radio when I was hammered. And and just decided because people, <laughs> people people could tell. <laughs> uh, no, the, so, so one thing about the bubble uh, in the summer uh, when we would uh, when we would get together and do the pregame shows and postgame shows was you never got to enjoy the vibe within the city yeah. that the Golden Knights uh, were were on and that beautiful ride through to the to the conference final. And I, I, it was hard to, to capture that when you're talking about the games because you couldn't grab onto that intensity uh, from the public. Uh, this will be much different as we head towards the Stanley Cup playoffs as we open up and open it up even more uh, in a few days. It, I mean, I, I feel like it already feels different now, right? Like there's a, a different buzz around this team in this city just simply than there was over the course of the bubble. And and maybe that has to just kind of do with time and and where we are um, in terms of our response and and in terms of COVID. But, like, I I think that you're starting to, even if I'm not leaving, even if if I'm not out and about, I'm starting to get the sense that just within the city, there's there's a bigger buzz as we head toward the end of this regular season. Uh, what were we talking about being awkward or not? Because Gary Lawless sent me a text and said, I'm way more awkward. And I can't remember what, what context that you would be. You literally said, hello, <laughs> welcome to the Welcome sports. to the show, Mustard. I'm Dan oh, yeah. Lawless. Yeah. So that was awkward? And now Lawless says he's way more awkward. It's like he's turned that into a competition about who can be more awkward. Yeah. Should I be offended by that? That now well, I, I can't be the most awkward person on the, on the broadcast? Do you want to be the most awkward person on no, the podcast? No, it just comes naturally. And Dan Duva, this is like an idea of how much people listen to this program. Yeah. Dan Duva uh, sent a note saying uh, with a list, an actual word list, from uh, one night that he was doing minor league baseball in, in Syracuse. So the, he, was, uh, he was playing along with the, with the word game as well. I would think that Dan would be a little smoother than I was. And, uh, a little? Not, yeah, just just a, just a little bit. But Duva and, and uh, Gary Lawless have the the call uh, tonight of this one: uh, Vegas Golden Knights against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, an opportunity for Vegas to stretch their franchise winning streak to eleven straight games. Uh, if there was one area that's impressed you the most over the ten games, what has it been? So for me, it's it's been the consistency with which they're scoring goals and. 
and just how many goals are, are coming for the Golden Knights. Like, uh, and, and not just the number of goals, but where they're coming from. They're getting a lot of production from right in front of the net. The blue paint battle has certainly gone the way of the Golden Knights over this stretch. I, I like the fact that this is a team that's scoring a bunch and they're scoring from the right areas on the ice. Yeah, being able to generate offense at different parts of the game and not just uh, when they get on a hot streak uh, and have been able to stick with their game and been patient with their game has been really impressive. The, the, the penalty kill, though, uh, number one penalty killing unit in, in the National Hockey League, and you go back a year uh, when, when Pete DeBoer took over, it was a very big focus of his to try and get it to the point where you could trust it and be able to lean on it in, in different situations. Uh, it uh, it was better in the bubble. It got better uh, during the course of this season to the point now where it is the best in the National Hockey League. Uh, pressure is is one thing. Uh, they seem to be generating more shorthanded opportunities in the in the over the course of this this winning streak than we saw early on because for, for the longest time they didn't have one of those traditional shorthanded goals uh, during this season. And that used to be a staple of this team between Riley Smith. And, and William Carlson and the, the various other players that, that were killing penalties, uh, that started to emerge where they're becoming a little bit more danger killing penalties, but just the fact that they can kill them alone. I, that, that game against Colorado the other night, big part of that win was being able to lean on, on their efforts shorthanded. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that this is one of those teams that, you know, you've got the personnel, you've got the talent to be able to go out there and have a strong kill. And, and I think what's impressive is is kind of, where you've had to move players around and you've had to rely on different guys to kind of come in and fill that role because you, you haven't had Riley Smith available to you for, for a couple of the games during this win streak. You've had to, you haven't had Tomas Nosek or, or Nick Waugh for a couple of the games, so you've had to rely on different guys to kind of fill in. Alex Tuck on the penalty kill has been uh, an interesting revelation this season because I, I think that, that he presents one of those guys that if you turn the puck over, you make a mistake, it's going to go the other way. And there's a, that fine line between uh, being aggressive on the penalty kill and thinking offensively and being able to get that opportunity and cheating. And you got to be on the right side of the puck. They've done that. I, I watched some tape the other night uh, of, the, of the penalty kill, and I would not have done that 15 years ago, I'll be honest. Uh, the penalty kill it does not strike me and never has as one of those uh, sexy parts of the game, but I appreciate <laughs> it more and more, and, and I admit that fault, uh, absolutely. Uh, and, but in saying that I watched uh, some, some video of their penalty kill uh, a couple of days ago, I was fascinated because penalty kill is an area where you think work hard, work hard, get in lanes, work hard. The Golden Knights penalty kill is a complicated mechanism. Uh, switches, uh, forwards dropping down low, defensemen sliding up top, and I was blown away. When you actually just sit there and watch it, and not being a true X and O's person uh, a at all, it was it was one of those ones where it, like you put on some music to it and just just let it go because it was beautiful when when you witnessed how players and defensemen in particular have to read off what the forwards are going to do and it's not just going to the natural spot it's it's a it's covering up and sliding over and uh i i give penalty killers uh, a whole lot more respect after just taking in that that little piece of video uh and and 
in particular, the Golden Knights penalty killers and how smart you have to be in being able to read a certain situation. And in a split second, that that situation's over, and you have to go and they've got it down low. And one, one of the new areas of, of the power plays in the National Hockey League, I think I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago, Ryan, is teams starting to work below the goal line yeah, and, and especially behind the net, not right behind the net, but behind the net or to the side of the net, but behind the goal line. Uh, Mark Stone scored uh, and, and positioned there a little bit. But teams are taking it to a little bit more extreme than that and trying to spread things out uh, from a, from a, against their penalty killers. And Colorado did that a bit the other night, and I was really impressed at the complexity of the Golden Knights penalty kill. You know, in terms of why it's been so successful, is it is it the fact that they are complex in terms of what they're doing that that is throwing teams off, or like when you're when you're rolling tape back, when you're watching it, is that why the Golden Knights have been so successful? Uh, I think a part of it yeah. because it's it's unpredictable, right? Uh, much much uh, more unpredictable than some teams. Uh, system that they'll use and I again full uh, clearance here uh, I don't profess to be an expert on on the penalty kill in the National Hockey League I've not gone through 30 teams and and looked at uh, their penalty oh I, sorry I've gone through two the Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken so I've, I've, <laughs> do, I've dove into the, to the, to those two teams because Seattle's now official so I, I can say that uh, but I, I'm, I'm not an expert in the penalty kill but there there's a real complexity to what they do and maybe for them it's simple and they've, they've done it enough but uh, I was surprised uh, at, at the different moving parts the the other two uh, aspects of it is uh, Alec Martinez just is a, is a he just eats pucks yeah and and they've been really good at that and the third part is you have two goaltenders who are putting up separately Vesna trophy type numbers uh, Robin Leonard won't be considered for the Vesna Trophy because he just hasn't doesn't have the, enough games played. Right. But if you took his numbers over a season, he, he, he's he's in that conversation. He might be ahead of Marc Andre Fleury, who's in that conversation right now because he has played enough games and and the goaltending has been spectacular. What what Marc Andre Fleury did behind me, uh, I'm at T-Mobile Arena uh, right now. What he did the other night in not allowing momentum uh, to the Colorado Avalanche was spectacular. Great saves, but he didn't allow that group to get going on the power play. No, he didn't. He, he was really, really good for the Golden Knights, and it's, it's key moments, big saves. Uh, in, and you're getting contributions in terms of, of goaltending from, from both guys. Robin Leonard, 12-1-2. Like, he, he just does not lose. Yeah. He just does not lose. And then... You know, like we, we've talked about Mark Andre and his numbers all season long. He's at 208 goals against average. Robin Leonard, 204. Like every time the Golden Knights go out, doesn't matter if it's Mark Andre Fleury, doesn't matter if it's Robin Leonard, doesn't matter if it's on the power play or the penalty kill, whatever the situation is in the game, you know that if you get to three, you have a better than average chance of winning the game because your goaltenders aren't giving up more than two. That race to three that Pete yeah. DeBoer was talking about. Yeah. Uh, and with, with the Golden Knights, it's really appropriate and accurate when you examine just how many chances they give up and then how many goals they give up and the stinginess late in games is also impressive with this team uh, just wanted to give the, the penalty killers a little bit of love on that because it's not it's not that shiny beautiful uh, heralded 
part of the game. In fact, it's just like sort of goes along with the game, and it, it's it's included in the game. You don't buy it extra. Who wants to uh, talk talk about penalty killing? But the great job, and and they can use it as a weapon. I think about Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone and William Carlson and Riley Smith and Matthias Yanmark now part of it, and Alex Tuck. You can turn that into a weapon at times. Uh, especially with big goals and momentum uh, in a Stanley Cup playoff series. We're going to take a break. Uh, Good news uh, coming up, plus uh, one-timers, and we'll also get into uh, a little bit more about what's happening uh, with the Golden Knights uh, from an assignment perspective tonight, who's in, who's out, and uh, who's on this road trip. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Having uh, some interesting conversations uh, involving Superman and where... His home is uh, during the commercial break. Nope. Uh, we nope. will. Where uh, he's from, not where his home is. I thought we were talking about where his home is. Nope. Uh, the Fortress of Solitude. Does Does anybody disagree <sighs> that the Fortress of Solitude is in the North Pole? When, Nobody disagrees okay. with that. Was never, that was when, never the question. Okay, stop, stop. Darren, when you. you say Superman is from the North Pole, that is inherently wrong. He's not from the North Pole. You can't change it now that you made a mistake. You can just admit that you were wrong. That is actually a thing that you can do. For tax purposes, he is located at the North Pole. That might be where he resides, but that is not where he is from. uh, When uh, the IRS or the CRA want to get a hold of him, they send all the mail to the North Pole and the Fortress of Solitude. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, Move over. Because uh, we got a bit of news to, to share with everybody. You know, the, the Golden Knights, the Misfits, the expansion team, this uh, new team on the, on the block, 31st franchise. It's, it's kind of being pushed to the side a little bit in the sense of the Golden Knights aren't the new kids in the block anymore. That belongs to the Seattle Kraken. The, the Golden Knights are a veteran franchise as of today how about that (laughs) well i mean the fact that they've made the playoffs in each of their first four seasons and you know are on a 10 game win streak they've been around the block a few times they've been to a stanley cup final two western conference finals but they're not the new kids they're not the new kids anymore the seattle kraken are officially an nhl team they made their final expansion payment this friday today to formally become the NHL's 32nd team, the Kraken are now permitted to begin building their roster through trades and signings, vote on rule proposals, and receive confidential league information. That's my favorite part. Uh, it, we're looking at July 21st as the uh, reported date for the expansion draft. Teams uh, submitting their protected players lists on July 17th. I'm just saying, like, the expansion draft was so fun. Like, that entire that entire week surrounding the Golden Knights and what they were going to do and all the different mock drafts that you had out there and, and trying to figure out where and what the team was going to look like. I'm so excited to kind of go through that with with Seattle here in, in just a couple of months. Yeah, that was a bizarre time because we hadn't really been through uh, an expansion draft like that that was so, well, in other expansion years, multiple teams had come in together, and it was it was announced or revealed behind closed doors. This was revealed in front of a, a jam-packed T-Mobile arena, and nobody truly knew 
the entire scope of that expansion lineup uh, and what George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon had put together. Uh, we knew as, as we got closer to the announcement, a couple of names leaked out, but by and large, it was kept super secret to the point where when we were doing our rehearsals for that mm -hmm. expansion draft, yeah. uh, Catherine Tappan and I, uh, we were using fake names. We were not allowed to even, we didn't know what names we would be announcing in two hours. Uh, we were granted uh, totally uh, bogus made-up names. Mustard and ketchup. Welcome to the... Uh, so that, it was, it was, we got it at the very last last minute. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I think we'll get a few more names this time around. But what's, uh, what, what stage are we at? How do we put this into, into uh, perspective for Golden Knight fans? For the, for the stage and step that the Seattle Kraken took today, this is the moment that they're allowed to make decisions on on players. Like they can sign certain free agents yeah. uh, or, or free agents. This is the point where Reed Duke, Reed Duke became the household name uh, around the Vegas Golden Knights as the first player that, that the Golden Knights assigned. So I was trying, I was trying to come up with uh, a way to explain the juncture that we're in with the Seattle Kraken, and that's where we are. We're in the Duke stage. Well, I think we all remember that. I like that, the Duke stage. That's good. Yeah. Well and he's done. still part of the organization, right? The Duke stage. The Duke stage. That's that's probably the best thing you've said all day. Are you mocking me again? No, 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 not at all. Hmm. Reed's from Canada, home of the North Pole, where Superman's from. So he's, no, he's, oh. <laughs> you, you almost had it right, Darren. Right you, there. you were almost right there. Yeah. Almost. Amazing. Uh, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show is coming up. Uh, One-timers, plus uh, we'll let you know what the coach thinks about this uh, much-anticipated series to try to pad their winning streak against the Arizona Coyotes. Stay with us on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Kempe dishes in front. Another sliding dead save by Flurry. This time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity. Lizana sliding dead save. Robin Lerner. What a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. No longer the newest franchise in the National Hockey League. Uh, flexing her muscle as a veteran group, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, enter action tonight, trying to add to their NHL leading 10-game winning streak tonight as they face the Arizona Coyotes. The VGK Network pregame show starts at 6 o'clock in little less than one hour's time. Ryan Wallace at the controls there, uh, opening faceoff uh, just after 7 with Dan Duba and Gary Lawless. Uh, Vegas in uh, control of the West Division, six points up on the Colorado Avalanche, but also vying for the number one seed overall in the President's Trophy, a point back of the Carolina Hurricanes in that race. As, uh, there's different things to examine as the Golden Knights head down the stretch with eight games to go. Darren Millard at T-Mobile Arena getting set uh, for the teeth and hair side of things, and Ryan Wallace uh, out and about. Uh, where are you at, and, and what kind of setup do you and Jeff have over there? Well, I'm at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's a big sports weekend. Obviously, the uh, 
the pro football NFL draft is happening. They're going to air all seven rounds of the draft today and tomorrow as well. But also, it's the uh, it's the Derby weekend, 2021 Derby weekend. Right. And you know that everybody loves the Derby. If you come on down all weekend long, you've got $10 mint juleps, $10 shots, $8 drafts, $10 bottles, of and four for $30 beer buckets of Angry Orchard Crisp apple hard cider so you know fun say that again but with more feeling which which one the last one yeah the, the 30 okay 30 dollar beer buckets of angry orchard crisp apple hard cider fun times to be had all the way around you say that like me talking about tractor parts what are you talking about like when I talk about tractor parts, I wouldn't have a clue what when I'm talking you, about. When do you talk about tractor parts? I used to do tractor commercials, and I would screw them up all the time. Oh, I didn't did you know. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is I, awesome. Yeah, uh, Jester, you know it, what to do. Yeah, I was going to say, internet, get on this. <laughs> Gilded Jester knows just what to do. And then, and then my dad would would phone me and go, um, "That makes no sense. What you just said, uh, the the T two two zero zero. Uh, IH tractor, and he's like, it's a 2200, you dummy. Um, that That's the way you <laughs> when you're running through that that uh, drink lineup. So have you guys made your uh, made your selections for the Derby this weekend? Uh, our good friend Eddie Olchek will be uh, will be part of NBC's coverage. And do you do you do you pick based on odds or is there a little bit of that's ah, a cool name? I, I, I'll go with that uh, when you when you make your selections. It, uh, it's it's all about the name. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. What what is it? What's what? the Kentucky Derby? Oh, the Kentucky Derby. Okay. <laughs> I thought this was a hockey thing. <laughs> this show's absolutely off the rails. They still do the Kentucky Derby? I thought that was like something they did in the thirties. First Fair. Saturday in May, Fair. except for last year. Wow. Listen, I'm when, learning stuff. When I put the rundown of this show on Twitter, mm-hmm. the entire description was Jared Justice is with us. That's it. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And just so people are aware, uh, Jared Justice is with us because dot, dot, dot. Anybody want to explain that? I, I mean, I don't want to. You go for it. I mean, can you just read the exact tweet? Oh, I can. I mean... Because I can read the tweet. I'll give me fill some time. I'll get the tweet up. Um, okay, this is how it went. Uh, I got a note this afternoon from our boss, and said uh, Chapman may not be. Uh, no, as you saw on Twitter or may have seen on social media, uh, Chris Chapman will not be available for today's show. Jared Justice will be doing double duty very long, and we appreciate Jared Justice uh, stepping in and doing the show. I've never uh, opened up an email from a boss, and, and it starts with, as you saw on Twitter, your coworker won't be available. So my immediate reaction to that was, big game. Yeah. They've won 10 in a row. Huge opportunity uh, for, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, everybody wants to be a part of a show like this. I hope Chapman's okay because, like, did he have like, – was it? Did I miss some kind of posting in the RJ alert? What I, I, my immediately went to the worst, like an accident or something like that. Fortunately, it wasn't an accident. It's still not great, but uh, I feel better about his his standing in our community now. Do you want me to read? The tweet? Yes, read yes. the tweet. So, he, so this is what he tweeted before he tells <laughs> yeah. us that oh. he's not coming in. <laughs> he it, tweets this. If we're doing, hold on, real quick. If we're doing backstory, I have r- raw chicken in my hand, and I am. 
putting it on a, th a in a uh, casserole dish to go into an oven. And I see my phone ring, and it's Doug. And he's like, well, I know I, you may have seen social media. What's going on with Chapman? And I'm like, oh, my God. What's going on? Yeah. Ryan? Okay. Uh, at 9.18 a.m. this morning, Chris Chapman at Magnum702. Give him some love. <clears throat> I woke up this morning with an unreal pain in my foot. Big toe is swollen, and the joint feels like it's on fire. I didn't stub it or drop anything on it. The top. <laughs> I was doing so well, too. You messed me up. <laughs> but why does he right. feel like. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why is he telling the world this? I didn't stub it or drop anything on it. The top of my foot feels like someone stabbed it right where my big toe meets my foot. This freaking sucks that's okay. the tweet that's so, the tweet so the the there's two things well, like why why is he putting that on twitter uh hey hey he paints a picture yeah he does he, he does paint a picture uh number two i love how our boss uh just assumes that we're all basically following chris chapman I mean, I'm I follow him, but I don't like if he. I, I don't have. Let's. I'll put it this way: there are certain members of staff I have notifications on. Yeah, mm -hmm. Chris isn't one of them. No. So, just here's here's my. So he favorite. has gout. Yep. Yeah. Here's my favorite part of it. Chapman texted Darren and I today at one o'clock to let us know he may not be in. But he puts it on Twitter at nine a.m. We, we we are we are the last to know. Yeah. Truly, the last to know. Yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, I love the dude. Did you see my response? No, there wasn't I, one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Chapman, uh, get better. Yes, yes, yes I obviously feel better, but you do, you are suffering from a disease that my grandfather no, got. Like, honestly, if Chapman's going to phone in sick with some kind of ailment, I thought it would be like a bruising of his self-esteem, uh, having hung around with us. Not, not gout. That's just. Uh, I, I think there's some Teflon to the uh, self-esteem part. Yeah, to, yeah. to, to Chapman. I think. All right. So if he's much a, he, like Superman, your guys's insults bounce off of him like bullets. Right, because his chest is frozen from spending so much time at his home in the North Pole. Uh, if it's a Kentucky Derby, from, if it's the Kentucky Derby, Chapman would be scratched. We'd, we he would not be in the field. Here are some of the names. Tell me okay. if any of these these and. As you're listening to this, I want to know, do these names grab you here? Mm -hmm. uh, soup and Sandwich. No. Really? You wouldn't? You wouldn't? Wait, did they do the names of the horses? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they're Who the ones. Who cares about the horses? Isn't it the guy? Like, it's like the NASCAR driver. Like... No, 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 no. The, uh, the, the horses do all the work. <laughs> uh, King, why the do horse. they need the driver? Oh, King Fury has been scratched due to a fever. Uh, no. Rock Your World. That's a good name. Yeah. Essential quality. Nah. Hidden. Oh, here's here's Jared Justice out of the 13 hole hidden stash. <laughs> tell, tell me I didn't, didn't nail that one. Uh, I mean. That's, the, that's who Jared Justice is betting. Uh, a 50 to 1. That, that is on the nose. Yeah. On the nose. Midnight bourbon. That's got uh, Jeff written all over it. He, he was shaking his head. No. Yeah. No, he uh, was shaking his head yes. Yeah, totally. Hot Rod Charlie, 8-1. to one. No. That's a pretty good name. Uh, mm. 
Sainthood is a 50 to 1. That's Darren, obviously. Totally. Keep me in mind is 50 to 1. There's Chapman. <laughs> oh, yes. Well done. That is totally true. Keep me in mind. A 50 to 1 long shot out of the four hole. Like the King and Known Agenda is 6 to 1. That's Darren, actually. Known Agenda. Known Agenda? That's beautiful. It's not uh, no agenda, known yeah. agenda. Yeah. Helium those, is, is also in the Derby. Oh, okay. And uh, highly motivated is a 10 to 1 at the window. Yeah, maybe I'll go back with uh, soup and sandwich. Yeah, I like soup and sandwich too. Now that I've heard the field, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sold on anything other than soup and sandwich. The only thing is I don't really recognize anybody from the, the connections on, the, on that one. I don't, mm, don't really recognize anybody. And, but I only recognize, I only okay. know about three people in the horse racing world. I was about to say, okay, you're, when you say no, anybody, you're not referring to other horses. No, I'm talking more owners and, okay, okay, and right, trainers. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't, I, besides, I, I, very, I know a little bit about your background, but I didn't know if you were just like, yeah, no, I hang out with a lot of horses in my spare time. I did a couple of uh, Queen's Plates, which is the, the, the most famous race in the Canadian Triple Crown. Did a couple of those, and it just... I didn't know anything about horses, and racing horses are mean. I didn't like going to the to the back stables and uh, and being around the horses because they tried to bite you all the time. So I plus the horse that I picked on the first time I ever did that race uh, ended up collapsing after crossing the finish line. It was okay, but they had to revive it. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you were like, yeah, no, they brought out the tent and the shotgun no, no, like at the no. Grand National. It, it ended up being okay, but it finished last. <laughs> And then collapsed. Oh, no. So so I got out of the horse racing uh, broadcasting part of it. So what you're uh, saying is you're no Eddie-o. Uh No, Eddie's – like, Eddie – we know Eddie Olchek loves his hockey yeah. and is the lead analyst on NBC. Yeah. He knows more about horse racing than he does about hockey. That's how tapped in he is. And he's not on the NBC derby coverage because – uh, it's a connection to another sport, and they can cross-promote. He's on there because he's an expert in, in the field of, uh, of thoroughbred racing. It's crazy how good he is. And, and, and from like a connection standpoint uh, to the horses, but also on, on the, the window and being able to earn a profit, he's, he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, knowledge in that brain of his. Love my ADO. I uh, love my Vegas Golden Knights, who will try to extend their winning streak to 11. Is Jeff laughing over there? I, yeah. It sounds like he's laughing over there. I'm just genuinely confused. Like, how did we talk about horses for 12 minutes? Uh, it's it's fun. It's Friday. It's, well, it's great. some of that was Chapman, too. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fair. Because he would have been scratched uh, at the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the game uh, because of his uh, because of his injury, and I hear that is that is a very painful ailment yeah. that he's suffering oh, from. Yeah. But but the idea that he told the world at 9 a.m. Uh, uh, via social media and then told our boss and us like six hours later is is a little bit of faux pas, and it's not like he can even get around it because it's out there for the for the world to know. And that our boss says, you may have noticed that your coworker won't be in because he told the world at, uh, at 9 a.m. Uh, we have the, the Golden Knights. What, what struck you from, from availability today uh, from Pete DeBoer's standpoint, Ryan? So for me, 
when it came to Pete DeBoer, it was the fact that he talked about the playoffs as being the real season. And we all, we all know this to be true, right? Like we all know that the Golden Knights, if you finish first in this division, that's great. If you, you've already locked up a playoff spot, that's fantastic. But really where the Golden Knights are going to be judged this season is in what they do in the playoffs. So I think the mindset of trying to shore up everything, trying to get your game as dialed in as possible over the next eight games is incredibly important. But the realization that you can kind of see the finish line in sight and that the real season is is on the way was was an interesting and, and refreshing bit from uh, availability earlier today. Uh, he he looks like uh, he's relaxed. Like even even the coaches were worn down by that previous run, uh, and with the one game in six days, being able to get away a little bit and and uh, catch your breath. Do, do you not? get that sense from Pete himself yeah I think so I I certainly looks more refreshed than he did say a week and a half ago two weeks ago I've never really talked about that from a coaching standpoint and went geez you know the uh, the coach looks like he's really worn down he's gone through the ringer but this is a season where uh, Pete himself has admitted that they're tired and if they're tired uh, how do the athletes uh, feel? And I've talked to a few different coaches around the league who have gone through uh, different points of, of their campaign and just said it's a struggle to get through. Uh, so being being sharp in every capacity is is a real benefit uh, for the Golden Knights right right on down to to bench management and being being on top of it when you're trying to uh, match up and and go against uh, different teams and in. in in scenarios where you're trying to lock down a playoff spot. So I, I think it's it's one of those ones where it's rarely talked about, but I think it's important from a success standpoint. Yeah, it's interesting because we, we talked about that two-day break where you know you, you, you didn't have any practice and, and that being about the players. But you know I think that when you, when you kind of watch Pete on Zoom today and you see just kind of how different in terms of, of his body language and, and where he is right now, I think that that was – a break that was beneficial for everybody, not just the players, but coaches alike. Arizona's won two of their last 11 games. They're not in a good spot, and they've uh, watched a uh, hold on fourth place and a playoff spot in the West Division turn into a five-point gap uh, on the uh, against the St. Louis Blues, and they are falling out of it in a real hurry. This is still a team, though, that can play you tough uh, in the sense of they, they don't give up a lot. Whoever, whichever goaltender they trot out there, is going to be great, and and that's one area where uh, against the Coyotes you got to really scrap for it. It's, it's kind of a good test for the Golden Knights with their offense going right now. You got to scrap for every goal that you can get. Yeah, it's hard to score against the Arizona Coyotes, and you know for a team that that doesn't produce much themselves that's kind of their blueprint to winning right like you've got to play playoff hockey you've got to shut things down and and for Arizona you got to try to score two or three and and hope your goaltender can can kind of be as close to perfect as possible and so for the Golden Knights in terms of finding the offense against Arizona they're going to have to work for it it's going to be a lot of of getting inside getting second and third opportunities and, and playing right in front of the net to, to try to get some offensive chances to go tonight for Vegas. Uh, two games ago, I'm uh, go back to the, the start of this winning streak, uh, which kicked off with a, a 7-4 win over the Coyotes. And that's when, when Vegas just drilled Arizona. 
Uh, they had the four-goal first period, and it was, I mean, Arizona made some noise late, but uh, for all intents and purposes, it was, it was a done deal. Arizona came back and played a much better game uh, a couple of nights later after the coach Rick Tockett had lit into them, and a part of the fallout from that was being more competitive, more involved in the game physically. And it actually uh, was a game that uh, that caught uh, Vegas with a, with a couple of players that, that that were knocked out of the lineup. Fortunately, Mark Stone wasn't one of them. But Connor Garland made a hit at the end of that game, and people will remember it now because he kind of uh, threw the hip into to Mark Stone, and Stone was irate. So were the Golden Knights, and it ended the game ended with all the players on the ice milling around. Vegas was about to do the salute to the crowd, and. What held that up was a lot of jawing back and forth between the two teams. I don't anticipate anything at the start of the game because of that, but I'll be curious to see what kind of uh, influence the end of that game. Because the players, like Braden McNabb said today, that's not something that you forget about, that Connor Garland hit uh, on Mark Stone. And Connor Garland's a a smaller guy, but he's not backing down from anybody. And he will be, if there's something happening out there, he is right in the middle of it. He had John Gibson of the Anaheim Ducks chase him down uh, in the zone this year and <laughs> tackle him. Uh, and, and, and Connor wouldn't tell me what he said, yeah. but uh, he said he wasn't surprised that he got tackled, basically. So I, it, Connor Garland's not backing down. The Golden Knights certainly aren't going to accept somebody hitting their captain at the final buzzer like that so uh, just keep that in in the back of your mind tonight when it comes to these couple of games tonight and tomorrow against the coyotes i'm i'm intrigued by by how this game is going to unfold and and whether or not we get some of that same feistiness that same chippiness that we've seen over the last couple of games between these two clubs because you know you look at arizona they and, and where they're at in the standings and how frustrating it must be that they have have not been able to to, to play better over the last stretch of 10 yeah. games and, and why and that's why they're in the predicament they're in right now where they've they've absolutely got to get four points out of these two games against Vegas and and I think that those frustrations should the game get away from them will will certainly bubble over at that point like you're looking at uh, if they lose tonight yeah if if they lose they have six games left and they'd have to make up five points. It's a real long your your magic number for elimination uh, in the charts that come out yeah. is getting down there to uh, minuscule chances of, of making the playoffs. Uh, I, I, I'm surprised that it got away from them there, and, and part of that was was goaltending. Uh, Aiden Hill they had to ride him because uh, Kemper and uh, Rantna were were both out, and they had to go with with Aiden Hill, who for a while was spectacular. And then just ran out of gas. Yeah. Uh, so they had no choice there, and their schedule was a buzzsaw uh, as well, and and that didn't didn't help them at all. But they're a team that that had a really good first half last year and made the acquisition of Taylor Hall and looked like the franchise was turning a corner. And then you had well, Taylor Hall didn't work out. Uh, they they went to the bubble, and and won a series, but weren't able to push it up, got lit up by Colorado, and haven't been able to, to carry any momentum. The manager left. They got hit with sanctions uh, from, from the league. It's back to the, the Arizona Coyotes kind of being in this middle ground. You know, from an outsider's perspective, when, when Vegas was granted the franchise and you're going into that first year, I thought it would be Arizona and Vegas 
as the big rivalry. Like yeah. That's the one that I had going. It's 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 a natural one, but because of competitiveness, and and one and the other one is they haven't played in the playoffs. You haven't seen that that develop as as naturally as I thought. Yeah, it it's. I mean, I still think there's kind of a, a genuine dislike between these two clubs. Uh, you kind of go back to that that first season for the Golden Knights. You go back to the first home game in golden knight history and it was against the arizona coyotes and it was a game that the golden knights just absolutely dominated arizona and i, I think there's a bit of a of a healthy dislike between the two clubs but it's not at the level that you would have kind of expected it would have been at when when the golden knights came into the league and, and i think a lot of that certainly has to do with the fact that vegas has been very very good and arizona's just kind of been in flux and they've they've really been in flux over the last four seasons and it's hard to to, to gain any traction in terms of rivalries and in terms of, of, of really your identity when there's so many changes going on around you. I'll be curious to see if it's Arizona that moves to the Central next year when we get, get back to normal, whether they're the club. Uh, when Seattle slides into the Pacific Division, yeah. if, uh, if it's uh, the Arizona Coyotes or, or somebody else, they, that's the natural one. But uh, we'll we'll watch. Uh, that's for for down the road. Right now, they're playing for the uh, for the Western Division title, and uh, the West Division is uh, belongs to the Golden Knights right now with a six point lead over the Arizona Coyotes. You can uh, stretch it to eight tonight if the Colorado Avalanche lose to San Jose in regulation and the Golden Knights are victorious. It is that point of the year where we're going to have to keep uh, updating. Not just uh, at the end of the night. By the way, this team won. Like it's it's a, uh, a like intermission by intermission. How are the Colorado Avalanche doing in comparison to the to the Golden Knights? Yeah, for sure. It, it's uh, it's scoreboard watching absolutely, but it, it takes a little bit, I think, of the of the pressure off knowing that right now the Golden Knights are up six on Colorado, and the the playoffs are clinched. Like you you you're now jockeying for position, and for the Golden Knights. The fact that they were able to get that win on Wednesday against Colorado oh. firmly puts them in the driver's seat. So huge, right? Yeah. yeah. Massive. Uh, do you want to give something away? Yes, I, I would love to. It, it would be something that I, I've been looking for. Preferably something that you're allowed to. Well, like you listen, can't just I'm, like. I, <laughs> I, I've been wanting to do this for about uh, 45 minutes now, so let's get to it. Um, Caller number seven, you get a haircut, hot lather, neck shave, and shoulder massage, plus a free massage shampoo from Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color. 702-876-1340. Caller number seven, you've won a free haircut from Floyd's 99 Cut and Color with two locations in Henderson at Stephanie and Sunset and South Rainbow and the 215. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show continues with one-timers on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brought to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Congratulations to the Seattle Kraken becoming the National Hockey League's 32nd team today, making the final payment uh, in the expansion process and are now eligible to participate in transactions, i.e. sign free agents. Now, the Seattle Kraken uh, are a team that will join the league next year. At the start of this process, you know the Seattle Kraken had hoped to participate in the 2020-2021 campaign, which is the current season. 
Yep. What a stroke of good fortune that everybody took a look at it and said, mm, let's just be safe. Because the big worry then was, would the arena be ready? Right. And still not ready. They, they had to, uh, that was pushed back. But because of that, they took the extra year. And I just, how awkward would that be that this is your first year in, in the league and there's no fans and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Something, sometimes things just work out. Yeah, I, I generally believe that. I think that's something that, you know, it, it, in terms of trying to hit the ground running, in terms of trying to, to, to make the most out of your inaugural season, I think that uh, you're absolutely right. It's it's fortunate that that the Seattle Kraken's first year will be next season, and, and hopefully by then it's, it's as close to a normal year as we could expect. Uh, I was just reading a, an article, and they mentioned the, uh, the Reed Duke signing. And that he was the Vegas Golden Knights' first player. I remember the that social media uh, publication that had Reed Duke doing the soccer warm-up before the game that all the players do. Yes. But he was on the concourse at the Keystone Center in Brandon. And uh, he was the Golden Knights' first player, and he was doing it by himself. Like, there was no other teammates. I just, that that was what, that kind of set the tone for the for the franchise. Uh, it just was, was different, was fun, was unique, uh, was creative. Uh, so we wish the Seattle Kraken best of luck. What's what's a good season for the Seattle Kraken next year in if they play the 82 games and things go off according to plan? Stanley Cup. Oh, <laughs> uh... I, I mean, I think a, a good season would be 500. Um, I mean, a great season would, would probably be making the playoffs, but I think the Golden Knights have skewed everything in terms of what is or isn't a success in your first year. Like, when, when you look at an expansion team that goes all the way to the Stanley Cup final, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't judge myself on that. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't measure myself up against the Vegas Golden Knights, but I think if... If you're Seattle, you come in, you're you're a 500 hockey club your first year. That's something to build on. 500 is really, really good. I know. I know. Like, I didn't peg the Golden Knights as being a 500 team their first year. Now, do you think it's fair that the expectations have changed uh, on the Seattle crack in front because of the Vegas Golden Knights, or should it be uh, just chucked away as a, as a one-off? what Vegas did I, I don't think it's fair but I, I don't think you're going to be able to escape it mm -hmm. you know what I mean like I, I just again I, I think that because the Golden Knights exist because they were able to do what they were able to do based on the same rules in terms of the expansion draft like I, I think that whatever Seattle does or doesn't do will be measured against the Golden Knights will there be a rivalry between the Golden Knights and the Kraken depends on if the Kraken are good so you don't think that there's just a natural... I, I don't. Two I expansion mean, teams in the same division. That's kind of different. I mean, it's different. But again, I, I think when, when we look at the Golden Knights and we look at kind of the, the teams that they are, are bitterly uh, focused on and intent on beating and the teams that really bring out the best of them, it's teams that they played in the playoffs. It's teams that, that they've had wars with in the playoffs. And, and I think until you get that with the Seattle Kraken, it's... 
it's going to be just uh, another team that the Golden Knights have to beat in order to, to, to be as good as they are. You're going to hear a lot about the expansion draft and uh, what uh, certain teams are, are trying to do to hold on to players and and uh, fattening the uh, the coffers of the, the Kraken to uh, look the other way instead of taking a player. That was one area that the Golden Knights took advantage of in a massive way. Uh, the Golden Knights are exempt from the expansion draft. They will not lose a player to the Seattle Kraken, so uh, that's positive. Also, don't get the uh, uh, necessarily uh, a lot of the expansion cash, but uh, it's, uh, it's a, a good thing that they won't lose a player. Alexander Ovechkin practice today for the first time uh, since he sustained a lower body injury he's missed three games this week he hasn't missed four games in a row because of injury since 2009 that's shocking to me that a guy that's played that hard uh, hasn't missed a stretch of games like this since 2009 I, I mean he doesn't break right like he's he's just one of those guys that's been durable all all his entire career and um, it, it doesn't shock me. It doesn't surprise me, but that gives you an indication that what he's dealing with is, is certainly something uh, to keep him out for this long. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers saying that Shane Gostisberg could return to the lineup against the New Jersey Devils tomorrow. Uh, there's, a, there's a team that's in a real predicament when it comes to the expansion draft. What are the Philadelphia Flyers going to do uh, with their makeup and you've got that choice so you can go seven and three six four and two uh for forwards and defensemen uh but they've got they've got a glut of defensemen and goss despair the ghost uh could be one of those players that that is on the move uh, for the seattle kraken yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what the philadelphia flyers do just kind of where they go and and what they choose in terms of their protection but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're a team that's active in the offseason prior to the expansion draft. Uh, looking around the different races uh, in the National Hockey League and the different uh, scenarios that could play out, I had a conversation with uh, Edmonton Oilers bench boss Dave Tippett today and was going through what they have, uh, they have been through. He made uh, a good point. Connor McDavid is on pace for 100 points in 56 games, which is just a staggering total. Sure. Uh, and I said, is it more impressive that there's been no fans at the games in, in the North Division, that you haven't had that infusion of energy, that intensity that automatically comes? And, and we hear the players talk about it from the, from the Golden Knights standpoint, that it, uh, that it, it provides that real boost uh, to them. And he's still getting it done. And Tippett said to me, what strikes him as being even more impressive is teams have played the Oilers in two and three games. They're going to play a four-game set down the stretch head-to-head uh, -head with clubs. You, you never get a chance to focus on Connor McDavid. Like, you're doing a swing through the California teams. Teams will be aware of Connor. Like, watch out for 97. Yeah, okay. That, that makes sense. But coaches have really been able to put in different systems because they're playing three games in a row or four games in a row against the Edmonton Oilers and Connor still lighting up the North Division still being uh, so so accomplished and his his head coach said that is is even more impressive than anything that makes a lot of sense yeah and, and I think that there's there's certainly merit there like when you have the ability to to game plan for Connor McDavid in the way that you would for a playoff series and, and when you when you're seeing teams this much that's really the closest comparison that, you, that you've got 
you're going to expect that there's different looks that Connor's going to see night in and night out, and it doesn't really matter. In, in the same way that Thanos was, Connor McDavid is inevitable. Well said. Uh, I, I totally agree on that. Did you get uh, the reference? Yes. Yes. That's, uh, are you talking about Superman again? Oof. That's you knew it, that you, you set him up for it. Yeah. That's rough. You yeah. set him up to do the misdirect. <laughs> uh, that that happens very naturally with me. You know that, right, Jared? Yeah, I the the I, end around. We we we've met. Yes. We've interacted <laughs> for more than 10 minutes. I got it. Jared, do you think I'm weird? <laughs> I mean, me calling anyone weird isn't that, is, that, that, that's sort of that's, where I'm going with this. But I'm I'm wondering because I I, I would say the same thing. Uh, so where where are you on that question? Where am I on whether or not you're weird? Yeah. What's normal, really? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, we have a, a situation where we're looking at uh, the stretch drive is going to, to decide some some races and influence. Uh, trophy uh, voters uh, for different year-end awards. One of those that, that is not subjective, like the Selkie or like the Norris Trophy, and you've got Mark Stone uh, in consideration, uh, I think will be a finalist uh, for the Selkie Trophy. Uh, Shea Theodore certainly carved his way into the Norris Trophy conversation. I don't think he's going to win it, but I think it's a, a, a great accomplishment that uh, after a flat spot in the middle of the season, He's, he's knocking on the door of being included in that discussion. One area that's just based on, on stats when it comes to players is the Jennings Trophy, and that goes to the lowest goals against average uh, of, of, every, of any team in, in the National Hockey League. And right now, uh, it's the Golden Knights who have what I would say would be a, a bit of a cushion for the lowest goals against average in the National Hockey League. And that's 2.13 compared to 2.20 of the New York Islanders. Robin Leonard won this trophy a couple of years ago with the New York Islanders. He's got an opportunity to edge them out along with Marc-Andre Fleury. And you have to play a certain number of games uh, to be uh, considered a Jennings Trophy winner. Uh, Fleury and Leonard have accomplished that. Dansk and Logan Thompson wouldn't be considered part of that mix, but that's something to keep an eye on, these these final eight games. Uh, you mentioned uh, two goals or less uh, that they allow. Uh, this is uh, this would be a real feather in the cap of, uh, of the entire organization uh, right on down to, to the coaches to be able to, to accomplish something like this. It's an, it's an interesting one because, you know, you, you, you talk about this team going into this season 56 games you knew how how compacted the schedule is going to be and then you look at 12 million dollars in goaltending and and you say to yourself if you're going to pick a season to do it if you're going to have that much money tied into goaltending this would be the one to do it and everything that Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury have done this year has really kind of proven that point to be true that you need great goaltending you need it every single night and that's how you win right now and so I, I think you you wind up with a Jennings at the end of this season because both of those guys were incredibly dialed in all season long that is absolutely a feather in the cap of the organization. The Vesna trophy goes to the top goaltender but that's a voted on trophy 
by the NHL general manager. The Jennings Trophy is purely statistical. It goes to the team with the lowest goals against average. Marc-Andre Fleury, 2.08. Robin Leonard, 2.04. It's, it's strange that, uh, that the team average is 2.13, and they both have averages that are lower than that, which is I, I think is some kind of statistical anomaly, but I'm not going to spend any time trying to figure out how that is uh, even possible. Uh, different, it's, it's, and Mike Rosati, should also mention Mike Rosati, the, the goaltending coach uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, his first full year uh, in charge, he, he took over uh, last year in the bubble and, uh, and worked with Marc-Andre Fleury and, and Robin Leonard. Uh, should also give him a big tip of that. Can you imagine your first time uh, being uh, in charge of the National Hockey League team uh, on the goaltending front and you're, you have two goaltenders who are vying for the Jennings Trophy? That's a huge, huge run. Yeah, absolutely. It's again, you put the right people in the right spot. You, you give Mike Rosati a chance, and uh, it's 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 interesting because the style is so different between Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard, and and there's a lot of different variables there, and and I would imagine a lot of different things that you've got to address with each guy and. The fact that they're both playing at this level is is fantastic for the Golden Knights. And Fleury's changed his game uh, under Rosati. And he's become a little less aggressive, a little more patient. Uh, I think we've witnessed uh, some of that uh, really blossom. Uh, I think about the, the, the save the other night where the puck goes off his glove and he reaches behind him. Like he's in control there. And he's able to uh, adapt to it. And uh, I think that uh, it's been a real, real positive uh, evolution uh, and influence on, on Marc-Andre Fleury. Your, your leaders right now of the divisions, Toronto, Washington, Carolina, and Vegas. In two weeks, how many of those division leaders are still uh, or are celebrating division titles? Ooh, um... You know what? For whatever reason, I'm not going to bet against Sidney Crosby, so I think Pittsburgh's going to win the East. Breaks him. So that's one. Uh, I think Toronto's good, so there's, uh, so they will. I still feel like uh, Tampa has an opportunity. They're, they're, there's an outside chance. So I'd say two and two. Two and two? Yeah. So Carolina and Washington will uh, be subjected to comebacks uh, from elsewhere in the roster. Those are your one-timers uh, for this Friday, April on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Looking for the Arizona Coyotes. Vegas Golden Knights, an opportunity to win 11 straight games. The Golden Knights are on some kind of roll going into this one. Uh, games 7 and 8 of the season series against the Coyotes uh, will take place tonight and tomorrow. Pre-game show coming up in just a matter of minutes with Ryan Wallace on Fox Sports Las Vegas as we roll over to the VGK Radio Network. Uh, Darren Millard here at T-Mobile Arena. A couple of minutes left as we uh, turn things over. Normally, catching up with Chapman, but he's on the... Uh, on the IR right now, unable to go. So it's Jared Justice in the chair today. Any Anything top of mind with you? I mean, not really. I'm no? mostly just uh, 
Yeah, I'm mostly just hanging out with you. Do you enjoy this show? Uh, like uh, you I mean, do the morning show over on ESPN with uh, with Graney and Bischoff. It's and it not doesn't a sound contest, like Darren. no, no. I, I was just gonna say it doesn't sound like you enjoy that program in the times that I've talked to you near as much as you do working with us on the on the Fox Sports side. I mean, I love those two people. <laughs> Like on a personal level, and I I love I love doing that show, but um, no, that's it's it's sort of it's the difference between you know that's that's my marriage, and this is uh, you know getting to go to the strip club. Really? Yeah, this is like this is our I guess a better more PG way to put it is like. There, I'm the principal. Here, I'm the substitute teacher. Yeah, here, let's watch a no, video. No, no, I man. like the first analogy way better. What That's the nicest thing you've ever said about us. What did I miss? Like, I don't have to take this very seriously. No offense. <laughs> that is outstanding. Tell, tell Ryan Wallace, because he just uh, rejoined us. He was out working the tables and, uh, and talking to people and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and socially distancing uh, while, while talking to and, and greeting people. Uh, Kissing hands and shaking babies. I yeah, got well, you don't, you, don't, you don't do that. You it's, not, d- it's not a thing that happens. So t- t- tell, tell uh, Wallace what you said about us, working with I, us. I said, apparently I shouldn't have, but I basically was, he was asking me, like, you always seem miserable whenever you're talking about the press box. And I was like, well, the press box is my marriage. That's something I have to put work into and I have to, like, take seriously or it will fail. This is like getting to go to the strip club. I'm just here to have fun and, you know, drink too much. I love that. Good oh, for good. you. Yeah, that's uh, that that's wonderful. Uh, when was the last time you went to a strip club? Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, all right. So I'm at the. No, 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 no. Don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to answer. We got. To, we've got two minutes. Uh, I could fill it with somewhere else. Well. Okay. Oh no, I was just saying. Like I've hit that age where all the friends I had who got married when they were like 21 are now getting their. Uh, Either they're going through their second marriage or they're going through their first divorce. So this has been a this has been a weird couple of years. Boy, you should you should uh, speak at uh, at some kind of conference about people who are thinking about getting married because you've painted a rosy picture uh, yeah. on on matrimony over the last uh, three minutes. Uh, Golden Knights against the Arizona Coyotes tonight. Uh, look out for Phil Kessel quietly having a very good year. Uh, also on the VGK side. Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, along with Chandler Stevenson, are on a significant roll right now. You can make a case, ladies and gentlemen, that the Golden Knights in their four years have never played a better stretch of hockey than they have over the last month. It's three weeks and then a couple of days since they last lost a game. And, Ryan, it has been impressive. The Golden Knights have been really, really good this year. So consistent, so dialed in, and this to me is a team that's looking to make a statement in this final stretch of the season. Statement is putting away the Arizona Coyotes. They can put a significant dent in any playoff aspirations uh, for Rick Tockett's hockey club and go into the midweek series against the Minnesota Wild with momentum. It's all about peaking at the right time, and they are on a real high watermark uh, right now. Uh, for Jared Justice, uh, for our uh, good friend Jeff uh, turning dials over uh, with Ryan Wallace, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening. The VGK Radio Network's pregame show is up next with Ryan. Have a great, safe weekend. We'll chat with you as we continue on on this National Hockey League campaign on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Superman's from Krypton. <laughs>